Hello, everybody, and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Jose. I'm Mike. So we went to see The Tower. No, uh, we, don't, we don't see The Dark Tower. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to see The Dark Tower. Yes. Uh, tell me the plot. The plot is this young lad is having nightmares about this dark tower. That's the title. And uh, it's sort of getting destroyed. Matthew McConaughey's a bad dude who wants to take this tower down. The tower keeps all of the darkness away from the various worlds. Uh, and then it turns out that um, they're kind of real. And these kids seem to be being, like, they're having their minds weaponized to take down this tower. Yes. Um, this tower keeps darkness away and, you know, keeps the world sort of happy and in check and whatever. Um, and then it turns out that there are these, he can access this other world. It's actually real. It's not a nightmare. Um, and he has some sort of telepathic, uh, sort of clairvoyant access to the world. There are portals so you can actually go to this other world. And that's what he ends up doing. Because um, he wants to escape the baddies who are after him. Okay, I think for me also, what's important in the plot that you know people might kind of want to bear in mind is that he's got a stepfather. Uh, his father's dead. Both the stepfather and the mother think that he's got psychological problems, and they're basically going to send him to uh, a camp to get help. Uh, but actually, that camp is really part of the plot. You know to kidnap the child and take him into another dimension. Yeah, the camp is the bad guys. The camp is the bad guys. So um, the child escapes, and when he escapes into this other dimension, the first person he meets is the shooter, uh, who is Idris Elba, who is one of the protectors of this dark tower. Yeah, the gunslingers, they call Gunslinger. it. Gunslinger. <laughs> yeah. and, and they seem to have this, this ancient sort of um, oath to protect the tower. Yes. And he seems to be the only one left. His, his dad has died, and you see that. Yes. Um, and so he's the last one, and he's not really that committed to it anymore. He's more committed to revenge. Yes. So, so basically, kind of the two narrative strands are the gunslinger finding purpose again and defending the tower and finding the value in his ancient purpose, and the child discovering himself and the power he wields. Mm. So kind of those two things kind of go together and really kind of take us to the finale of the film. Um, so, you know, so that's the plot, really. But what do you think the film is about? It's a great question. Let's come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we're talking about, you know, is the film good or is it not good? And actually, you know, something about what it's about and how it deals with well, it is it, kind of central, really. It, it does have this... this it's a, it's a movie for kids, really, essentially. Yes. And I think it's quite good in, in the sense that um, if I'm a young lad, who, if I'm a young boy who's watching this film, I'm, I think I find it very easy to relate to that kid. Because all yes. kids think they have problems. All kids think that people are after them. And all kids think that this and And the elements of fantasy and horror, like, I can totally see if, this, if it's in any way you know, uh, uh, similar to the books on which it's based. I can see why the books are popular. Yes, you know what I mean. Um, I think it's. I I find the world that it's set in very credible, and the characters very credible, and mm. I want to see the rest of the films now. Yes, well, I you know the the Stephen King books are, are very popular. I think there's seven of them now, and actually the the movie has very much made me want to see it. So it's had kind of very negative reviews, and I can see why it has. 
But actually, I like it very much, really. Has it had negative reviews? I've no idea, because I never... Yeah, it's had, it's had poor reviews, and it's done it's done poorly in the US box office. Let me have a look. Um, I'm just going to find the uh, box office figures. Okay. Uh, the Dark Tower. Box office. I think as of last week, it had done something like 30 million. Um, so it's got a 41... Uh, 60 million production budget, domestic total of 40 million so far. Yes, yeah, so that's 71 very, in total worldwide, um, which is not great. It's poor. It's it's better than not great. And it's been out since the 4th of August. Yeah. So it's been out for, for several weeks. For so several weeks. Yeah. So it's, it's done very poorly. Um, and actually, I kind of, I don't think it deserves to. I, I enjoyed it very much. I mean, it's, it's not great. Yeah. And there are a whole bunch of problems with it. But I think it looks terrific. It does, really. doesn't it? Uh, uh, you know, the, the cinematographer has done a great job. And actually, I think there's a great job of visualizing the different worlds and the movement in them. You know, the scene where um, uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey goes and gets into the mother's mind and you have all of these different images of the child, you know, drawing the the, the visions that yeah, he the sees ghostly, across the room. Yeah, the ghostly figure. That was fantastic. Feels, yeah, it's wonderful. Um, so A lot of the visual effects. Actually, all of the visual effects are beautiful. Yes. So, so which, which begs me to ask the question then, with so many really good things in it, you know, what's wrong with it? What do you think is wrong with it? Yeah, I don't know. It's not got, it's, it's not got a, uh, there's nothing in it that is really a central, there's nothing that captures the imagination really vividly. Yeah. Like in Lord of the Rings, he has to get rid of the ring of the ring can take down the planet. And in Harry Potter, I don't know what it is in Harry Potter, but I guess everyone just saw the books. Because actually, if you saw the films in Harry Potter from the start, I don't think you'd like them that much. No, the first couple of films aren't that great, yeah. but it's based on the phenomenal success of those books. Yes, you bring in all the added information to the film, really. I think the Dark Tower series, it's, it's not as popular as Harry Potter, obviously. Mm. Um, uh, but it's not unpopular. But the film is lacking a certain something, despite the fact that actually the central image of, of this kind of telepathic energy being shot through space to this tower. Yes. It's quite a powerful visual image. I really... I, I, actually, I didn't like the opening because it had that, and then it turned out it was a dream. Yes. I really hate dream sequences. Uh-huh. <laughs> because it's like, you know, we've, managed, we've, we've put something really great in front of you, and now we're telling you it didn't happen. Yes. Um, I don't like that. But... There is a... I don't know. It is lacking some kind of X factor, isn't it? Despite the fact that all the components, I think, are really likable. Yes, it's got this kind of it's got this Western thing with the gunslinger and the man in black yes. kind of you know man on man face off thing, and you've got this really terrifying idea that they're stealing children to put them to work destroying the earth. Yes, I mean, I think for me, um, you know, part of the problem was. You know, when you're talking about things that are not quite good enough, the things that for me were not quite good enough were the action sequences. You know, kind of in my mind, I've been watching the Defenders this weekend, and actually, the action sequences in the Defenders are much more sparse. Right? They're often about you know one figure fighting another, or sometimes one figure fighting fighting many. But they're very simply done. But they're very effective. They're exciting. Right? Whereas actually, here the action sequences were exactly those where you feel there's nothing at stake in who gets shot, including the protagonist, right? You know, that if, you know that either he's not going to get shot or he's going to get shot momentarily and recover. Or, yeah, there's just nothing at stake in it. And half of the time you can't see the geography 
of the scene. You can't see who's where and what's at stake in each shot or something, right? I thought that was a fault with the film. You know, this is an action movie. It's an action sci-fi spectacle. And, you know, the action isn't... It's not good enough. It's not good But it's enough. not terrible. It's not bad. It's not terrible. It's just not... Yeah, it's, it's just not, not good. It's not special. It's unremarkable. It's functional at yeah. best. And that gets, I don't think you get confused in the action. You don't get lost in it, but it's it's just doing the minimum. And that gets to my other point, which I also thought that Idris Elba wasn't good enough. You know, again, he was fine. He wasn't he wasn't bad. He wasn't terrible. But you know, in this movie, he's not a movie star. And actually, he's almost like he's almost a protagonist, really, of this film. Really, yeah. So on the one hand, well, the child is a protagonist, mm. really. But, you know, the hero is Idris Elba. And he's just, he's, he's just not good enough. The first sequences, I thought, actually, he was really quite bad. And then he kind of got better in the role. But he got better in the role without quite exciting. You know, if you look at the way that Matthew McConaughey just moves, right, kind of, you know, he speaks volumes with his movements, right? He's got, mm-hmm. kind of got, you know, a, an elegance and a wickedness. Idris Elba you know, was a bit stodgy. So actually, I think it's interesting that there's all this talk about him being James Bond and so on and so forth, you know, and he might be very charismatic on television. Actually, I like him very much in Luther, you know, but on the big screen and in this role at least, he was only adequate. I wonder whether that's more the character than him, though, because it's, it's, it's clear that he's a very good actor. Yeah. Um, and you say uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey has this, you know, wonderful elegance and kind of emotiveness to the way he moves in this. But the character really allows him to do that as well. The character that Matthew McConaughey plays is this dramatic villain character yes. who gets to play up and, and is all about showing off his power to people. Whereas Idris Elba, towards the beginning of the film, certainly, is he's 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 this gunslinger character. He's quiet and stoic. Not quiet, but um, he's kind of within himself. And actually, as the film goes on and he gets to know the kids more, he kind of becomes more human. And I think he, his character, not his character, but his performance opens up and it does. finds more dimensions. It does, but it should have been there from the beginning because actually I think he's given quite a rich character to play, right? Like he's like Sir Gilead or whatever, you know, the defender of the realm, you know, with these extraordinary powers kind of, you know, but dressed it's a character up. That you're a, learning about as the film goes on. It, it, well, I think but, it makes sense that he isn't necessarily... But what, But he knows that, so why is he being so boring and stodgy at the beginning? And actually, I still think the way he moves is a problem. You know, he's meant to be this, this lingo who's fighting with his body, right? And his body is not coming across as, like, fluid and flexible and capable of things. He doesn't, he fights with his guns. But he moves with his body. He avoids everybody else's blows with his body. So he needs to move better than he does in this. Uh, I didn't find that a problem, because I like the way the character develops. And I think that came through in the physical performance. Yeah, I, well, I didn't. I, I thought he wasn't good enough, you know. So though I would argue, actually, that he's too still in the film as a whole. He's too placid. He's not giving you enough. You know, he's not, he's not conveying the character with as much depth and complexity as he could on one level, but also he's not making him as entertaining as he could be making him on another, you know. So I think the way that Idris Elba plays this part, which, again, we can agree is adequate, but, you know, dozens of people could have played it as, as, as good or better than he. So, you know, I'm just kind of saying this in a way, not as an anti-Idris Elba. I, I mean, I love him 
normally. But it's just interesting, you know, that this is kind of being done in the context of all of these discussions of him as Bond and him as this future movie star and so on. Well, to me, this does not prove it. This performance does not stake a claim, you know, on him becoming like this huge film star. I think there may be a taste element because I liked his performance mm -hmm. and I liked the way it came the character. And actually, I think it's, some, it's, it's along the lines of like a Keanu Reeves performance. Oh, you see, I love Keanu. Keanu moves you see? beautifully. I, do, I know you like Keanu Reeves. I, know. I think this is a Keanu Reeves-esque performance. I think, well, not I think, though in the way he moves, you know. I mean, you know, but I just have a moves like he's got a whole side of beef in him still. Well, you know, yeah, kind of I mean, Keanu moves like... He's done 10 years of yoga, at least. <laughs> that's fair enough, but he's carrying a big old coat, isn't he? <laughs> full of bullets. And that weighs you down. I... I, I see what you mean up to a point, but I I liked it. I, I thought he was... I thought his character was easily likeable, very relatable from the start. It, it's, it's, it's simple, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, he's a gunslinger, and you already know what that kind of person is like from, from the, the, the tropes that it's, that it's mm. building it on, and then he's lost his dad. And that, in, that immediately gives you quite a lot to build on. And I think the... Like I say, the stillness... And the, the kind of almost sort of reluctance of his character. There's a kind of, uh, there's a generosity to Matthew McConaughey, you know, in the way he moves, mm. which is counterbalanced by the, by the stillness of Idris Elba. Okay, let's come back to Matthew McConaughey at the end, because I'd like to end this on a great note. Um, but I want to get back to what the film is about. And actually, I think you know the film is really it's it's really beautiful in, in 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 the way that it's kind of dramatizing what I think are its themes, you know. And actually, part of maybe being stumped by you know or having to think about what they are is is partly how well the film dresses them, right? Because you know the whole argument is that you know we we live in a world which is constantly under threat by the forces of darkness, right? There are all of these monsters. And actually kind of, you know, that reminds me of like, you know, the Goya painting on the Age of Reason. It's like this man who's writing, but actually kind of, you know, there's bats and demons and so on, just out of sight, right? So kind of, you know, reason is what's keeping all of those things at bay, really. And actually kind of the film, in a way, has that structure, right? That kind of, you know... The, the 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 universe is protected you know it's protected by this tower you know from all of these demons right but then also kind of uh in the world that the child inhabits kind of it has its own kind of demons right so first of all you know the stepfather you know who is like an evil stepfather really finding every mm. excuse to get the child out of the way you know kind of the mother who's like helpless it's got kind of you know, those fairy tale elements, you know, and this child who's actually kind of being punished for his gifts, right? <laughs> yeah. And in the meantime, the world he inhabits is a world in which kind of people put on masks, right? That kind of, that they are not what they seem, that actually that which is familiar can also be the most dangerous, right? That that which should protect you is also that which is the greatest threat to you. Yeah. I kind of, I think those are really kind of, you know, and on the other hand, kind of, you know, the value of doing good and finding reason and finding a cause and speaking up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think kind of all of those things are kind of tied in into, uh, you know, the overarching themes of, of the film. What do you think? I think you are meeting more than halfway. Uh-huh. Um, I think there's an element of that, but I think it's not that original. 
there's um, the kind of the story of um, the child who cause he's not bullied or anything. It's not like he has a terrible life. The stepdad doesn't even seem to treat him that unfairly. It's just he's seeing something which other people don't, and they and they they don't kind of believe. That's not true. Him. You see an incident of I don't know if it's him being bullied, but a kid tries. You know, to oh, kind true. of you know steal his stuff, steal stuff yeah. and then he gets the blame when he fights for the drawings that he's made. So he gets you know kind of threatened with the sanitarium, right? So so he is bullied at school. Mm. Uh, the teachers aren't sympathetic. You know, the parents are a threat, even though the mother tries the best of her best to be protective. So it is very much kind of. I you know, I, I can see what it was going for. I don't think he was downtrodden enough. At the start, <laughs> Do you know what do you want? the full detention treatment. Well, I definitely, thought, I definitely thought that the stepdad was a bastard, uh-huh. and I really sympathise. You're really meant to to dislike him, mm. and uh, that's that's very good. But the rest of it is kind of he's got a, he's got a very close friend who, despite the fact he kind of doesn't believe him, is sympathetic to him. And you go, this kid, this kid's not all that have all that bad a life, really. He's got a friend who can't help him at all, really. Yeah. Uh, and actually, who, for a bit of the film, you're suspicious of. I mean, I thought... I didn't think that. Well, I did, you know. So, mm. you know, I thought the, the, the child could be someone who could turn him in or be a masked person or... Yes, yeah, so I thought that about the stepdad. Uh, well, I know. We well, but you, yeah. well, we were both right. Well, the stepdad wasn't... He wasn't, the, he wasn't a masked, masked man, but he was a threat. You know, and yeah. well, we should incidentally the mask thing we haven't we haven't described. The, these these monsters are these kind of demon figures, yes. and then they put on human skins, and yes. they have this seam that runs down the sort of neck behind the ear, and it's fantastically creepy. Yeah, it's a great image. It is a great image, and I and again I think it's kind of allegorical. You know, kind of you can read that in interesting ways, right? Mm. Kind of people are not what they seem. You know, and you have to find a way of reading them. And are they foes or allies? Like, the world is a really, really threatening place. Yeah, and the film structures it. So it's not just, like, whatever's outside this universe or the dark tower that's a threat. But actually, the people around you could conceivably be as much of a threat as anything that lies outside. Yeah. So, you know, I thought that was kind of rich and interesting. Um, Yes. Okay, let's go to Matthew McConaughey now, because I thought he was great. (laughs) <laughs> he's such a joy he's one of those guys he's one of those guys who really relishes playing an absolute bastard yes like it's, Hugh Grant it's interesting right because you know for, for a long time I just I don't like him or you know I didn't like him because you know he personified smugness right he was so good looking and kind of so full of himself really yeah I think he's being freed by playing villains really you know, like this, this is a fantastically enjoyable performance, yeah. right? And actually kind of a, a, a quite a theatrical one in cinematic terms, right? It's not excessive, you know, but he really relishes kind of playing a bad guy. And he does it with a, with a kind of a marvelous stillness. I mean, you know, he's not like over emoting all over the place like, like someone like Laurence Olivier might. You know, he's constrained, but nonetheless, he's relishing it. Right? Yes. He's kind of, he's relishing it for the camera and for us. Uh, and actually, I well, thought... Well, he constantly has his shirt open halfway. No, that's not true. Down to his chest. All the time. He's got the first couple of buttons open. That's hardly like that's, beefcake. That, that is him showing <laughs> And actually, I... No one else has that. No, I, I, actually, I, I completely disagree about this because I thought one of the interesting things... I'm not saying he's butch and manly, 
But I'm. But he, he has, He's kind of live, isn't he? He's very live. But uh, but I thought you were no referring... one else has their shirt open like that in this film. Well, they might not. But actually, I thought what was interesting about watching this performance, particularly as you know, Matthew McConaughey taking his shirt off is a staple of practically every '90s film that he's been in. <laughs> so so actually, he doesn't take his shirt off here. And actually, I thought it, what was interesting was that you know when he does have those buttons open, you could see him aging. Like he's got all the wrinkles on his neck and so on, you know, and so kind of, and, and he's free with that. He's not covering it up, you know, yeah. which I think is what most actors would do. So actually, I think to me, that's signaling the opposite of what you're saying. It's yeah. a big open shirt and a big collar. If he had hair on his chest and a medallion, he would be in Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he is in this. <laughs> all these but missing. he doesn't. <laughs> he, he looks like he's at the disco. He looks like he's at an evil disco. Uh, no, he looks he looks wonderful, and he looks his age, and he gives a marvelous performance. And actually, I thought it was really kind of interesting to compare with my bête noire of the moment, who is Carla Delevingne, who I just think is awful. You know, I don't think well. It's not they give her nothing to do. Well, which is which is perfect. In fact, she's introduced with like because she's one of the evil henchmen, one yes. of the people. Um, and Matthew McConaughey introduces her with a line saying, it's a good thing you chose a pretty face. Yes. Something like that. Which yes. is just as well, because you he can't says, do anything else. He says, a pretty face is half the battle won, is what he says. But actually, you know, I also think, you know, I mean, she is pretty. There's no question about that. But she's no prettier than dozens of girls that you see everywhere, really. You know, and, and she's a terrible actress. You know, so you, you're right. She only gets, she doesn't get much of a, it isn't much of a role. She has one line. You know. No, I think she's got more than one line. Sure. Um, and on the other hand, she's always in the background. And she's always in the background, stiff as a board, you know, with her hands clenched into a fist or something. Like, she just doesn't know what to do with herself or her body. She's no actress at all, yeah. right? And it's kind of, and it's very annoying, you know, that she's been so built up and kind of, you know, and had so many opportunities to just not, to demonstrate that she's not good, really. Um, so kind of, and my eyebrows are better than hers. <laughs> <Aren't> they? <laughs> they are. Yes. <laughs> so I think that's a good note to end with. I mean, do you want to kind of wrap it up? There is one other thing, which is that when there's one point in the film where Idris Elba shoots two bullets that are quite important, and one of them, the the second bullet needs to be shot first, and the first bullet needs to be shot second. That's all. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm smart as shit. What do you think of the kid? The kid was wonderful. I thought he was all right. I thought he was wonderful, actually. And, um, you know, I thought, yeah, he um, conveyed everything very well. Uh, and I liked, you know, he looks like somebody who's just turned 14 or 13, right? Like, you know, who's just become an adolescent. Uh, and he's got kind of this gaucheness. I, you know, I was noticing that, like, his hands are almost, like, too big for his body. You know, it's almost like he's going to grow into his hands, you know. So, so I think kind of he captures, you know, that bewilderment of what's happening to him, but then the kind of the growing into it, the fun, you know, the learning and understanding and then taking hold of this power that he has yeah. or that he's realizing that he has. That's why it's always kind of young adults and teenagers, isn't it, that, that these stories are about, yes. where everything in life is is changing. Yes. And 
then in, in fantasy and sci-fi, you amplify that by saying, and there's monsters and magic. Before we end, actually, one of the things that I did want to talk about was, what's it called, 4D or 4X? 4DX. 4DX. <laughs> Your views, please. <laughs> so 4DX, for those who, who aren't aware, is this um, new way of watching movies in the cinema where the seat moves and they have uh, air jets that blow in your head and the, the seat pokes you in the back and water sprays on you and there's flashing lights and smoke and fans, all these extra things to try and make a theme park ride out of it. Although they will say it's, you know, put you in the movie, make yeah. it more realistic. We've seen one other film in 4DX before, which was Doctor Strange. Yes. And that film really overdid it. Everything was on all the time. It was just I, when 4DX had started in this country. I hated it. Yeah, um... Because I think, I think the thing about 4DX is it has the potential to make bad films enjoyable because mm. it turns them into these events. Um, but it will make a good film worse. It certainly won't make a good film any better. I mean, mm. you, could, you could put all this stuff on Citizen Kane and I don't think you'd have a better experience than just sitting there and watching it. it it'll make a good film worse. I mean, I think part of my annoyance watching Doctor Strange is that I really love the film and I found every poke in the back was an interruption to my attention. Yeah. You know? I think in this, I don't know who designed the, because obviously when, when a film is made in 3D, for instance, which is seen as still seen as a gimmick mm. uh, like 4DX is, um, obviously the people doing that are the, the visual designers and the director and the director of photography and so on. So... Whatever, however much of a gimmick it is, it's still built into the kind of creative process of the film. I don't know how much of 4DX is at all. I don't know who who says when should the chair move and how should it move and all this sort of stuff. But um, in The Dark Tower, I thought it was far more restrained than it was in Doctor Strange. Yes, and I enjoyed it for that reason. There, there were certain effects which just weren't just weren't used at all. It didn't didn't splash water, and yes. it didn't uh, flash strobe lights. And so the kind of those are probably the biggest distractions. There is one other which is which is jets of air blowing sort of behind your ear, um, and it does that when uh, when gunshots are fired. And I felt it did that too much. But there were moments when it did that almost out of nowhere, mm. which made me jump. And not, and not in a kind of crap ghost train. They're only doing it to get a rise away. But actually, it matched with the on-screen uh, drama and made sense. And I and I felt actually enhanced it. I think the rumbling of the chair worked with with the um uh with the on-screen action it, it's really restricted just to, just to the action sequences there's very few moments outside of those where it's really doing anything yeah you sometimes do get smoke you know yeah. in the front of the cinema like billowing you know yeah. there are moments yeah. but i but obviously it, it's so it's so unnecessary it's not a necessity for anything but in this film i was pleasantly surprised by how little it distracted me, and how, on some occasions, it actually enhanced the experience. It's like a Brechtian device saying, you know, you're only watching a movie, and we're not going to let you watch it properly. <laughs> Have a blow. <laughs> but I actually thought that in this film, to me, it also kind of worked. And I think your theory about, you know, it, it can make some films that are not great better, and, you know, it could be a distraction to, like, really good films. I think that's, that's where I stand on it. And actually, and I think, you know, I thought this film was very enjoyable, you know, but it was certainly not good. And I thought all these other jolts and things and so on were actually kind of inter entertaining in the context of what we were watching today. I yeah, kind of, I agree. I didn't mind it at all. I was, I was surprised by how well it worked. And actually, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a bit of a dagger to my theory because this isn't a bad film by any means. No, but it's not a good one. 
No, it's not. A, no, it is a good film. It's not a great <laughs> film. It's good. You're allowed it's to say okay. it's good. It's, it's good. Okay. It's okay. We were started off by saying it was good and how much we liked it. You just don't like Idris Elba. That's your problem. You're racist. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Idris Elba. Uh, I just kind of don't think, on the basis of this film, uh, his movie star material. I mean, all you've got to do is like compare him and, and Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Uh, so, um, anyway, let's leave it here. It was good. It was good. It was okay. You're allowed to say it was, it was good. It you was enjoyed okay. it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much. You go, then. But I often enjoy very bad films, so... But you didn't enjoy it because <laughs> it was bad. Sorry? You didn't enjoy it because it was bad. No, liked, I didn't, you, actually. You liked the characters, for the most part. You liked the way it was shot. I liked the world, and I liked the story. So you, you know, liked it. I, um, yes, actually, I, I think it was an almost good film. With so much really good stuff in it, so really, so you know. Uh, no, I'd recommend it, you know, but just don't go in with like very high expectations. No, sure. <laughs>